wrestling fans, are you ready? This is Tuesday. You people bought a ticket to see me, so shut up. Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan Hood. First of all, Dusty Rhodes, I think what you are is a big, ugly, low-class, redneck goose. That's what I think you are. Yeah, I put it. I know I put it. But I'm most of all, the baddest man around in the world today. Follow the show at WrestlingTWT on Twitter and Instagram. But remember, my fireflies, as always, I'll light the way. And all you have to do is let me in. Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. The bottom line is, in all my magnificent, you're going to be mine. All Night. Here's Jonathan Hood. This is Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday with me, Jonathan Hood, right here on ESPN 1000 and the Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday podcast. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at WrestlingTWT. Tell somebody that Jonathan Hood talks professional wrestling every Tuesday night at 9.30 Central Time right here on ESPN 1000. We're going to hear from good old JR Jim Ross, the voice of AEW Wrestling, the WWE and NWA Hall of Famer in just a moment. I'm going to give you my thoughts first about what happened at the Sears Center in Hoffman Estates right outside of Chicago for AEW All Out. It was an unusual Saturday night for me because I'm a huge college football fan. It was week one for college football, so usually I'm in the hood cave and I'm checking out on the big screens what's going on in college football, but I was able to watch some of that action later because I had to be there in person to see AEW All Out, and I did. And so I had a ball, first of all, uh, a legit sellout at the Sears Center. And to me, there was a couple of stories told at All Elite Wrestling's All Out on Saturday night. I always break it down this way. What was the best match and what was the best story told? Because I think it's a difference. It's one thing to look at a wrestling card and say, that's the best match and nothing else really matters. No, there's a lot of things that mattered for AEW as they get ready for their debut on TNT on a weekly basis coming up in the first Wednesday of October. But I I thought that Sean Spears against Cody Rhodes told the best story. We were able to see Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson both in that match. There was a lot of running around. It was a grudge match. Tully Blanchard was the assistant or the manager for Sean Spears, and Tully took off the jacket, and that dude was getting it done. At 65 years of age, Tully Blanchard looked like he had some of the instincts of a manager, of an old-school manager, getting himself involved, taking off his belt, trying to get himself physically involved in the match. I thought that that was really good. And then you saw Arn Anderson, probably the biggest pop of the night, or one of the biggest pops of the night, Arn Anderson coming down the ramp and applying that spine buster on Sean Spears. It was one of the best things that we saw of that night. A 60-year-old Arn Anderson coming down, still able to get it done with the big spine buster. Sean Spears and Cody Rhodes, I think, told a, the best story because we know the circumstances of Sean Spears and Tomorrow's relationship with Cody Rhodes and all that. So I thought it was very, very well told. The best match on the card was the Lucha Brothers against the Young Bucks in that ladder match for the AAA championship. And it was the best match because it was a long ladder match. It's one of the best ladder matches I've seen, by the way, in person or on television. The Lucha Brothers go over and they win and recapture the AAA Tag Team Championships. 
But it was uh, interesting, the ebb and flow of that, because there were a lot of bumps that the Young Bucks did not have to take. And I know that it's a big event, and I know that it's a sold-out house, and you know that all eyes are on this product to find out, from a wrestling standpoint, do you want to watch this every week? But even the veteran Young Bucks took some unnecessary chances there. And you hear the old schoolers always talk about you can't continue to take huge bumps. You only have so many bumps on your bump card. And I just thought the Young Bucks went above and beyond to try to get that match over. Some things they didn't have to do, but they did it anyway for that house in Chicago. And I thought the Lucha Brothers told a great story. Every time I've seen them, I've seen them four times live now. Saw them in MLW, seen them uh, locally uh, in Chicago, and then be able to see them at the uh, Sears Center on Saturday night. I think that's just, they're one of the best tag teams that's out there right now, the Lucha Brothers. So if that was, uh, I think that was the best match. But again, there's some times when you take a bump off a ladder, you go through tables, and instead of the holy blank, holy blank moment, you got in the crowd at the Sears Center, oh, and that's not what you want. You don't want people feeling sorry for you. You want to be able to have an emotion where the crowd goes, yay, that guy went through a table. He deserved it because he did whatever in the match before. Uh, but it was a lot of, I remember several of those bumps where it, it was so bad to watch. I mean, if you love a car crash, I guess it's great. But you feel for the athlete that goes through like several tables and goes through and takes these heavy bumps. And when the crowd goes, oh, oh that that's not good. <laughs> you don't want that sound because you think this, those guys are seriously hurt. As we talk about this on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan Hood right here on ESPN 1000. People are complaining about the length of these shows. There are some people. I was listening to Brian Last's 605 podcast earlier today. And he's an old school wrestling fan, even though he's 39. He's still an old school wrestling fan because he's got all the tapes and the films from years past. And he prefers mat-based wrestling uh, and not necessarily a big fan of today's wrestling. And I will tell you that as someone has been watching this product, wrestling, since the 70s when I was a kid, I understand some of the things that we see here today. And I'm not just going to turn a blind eye to what we're seeing here today because some of these things that we're seeing here is compelling. I mentioned to you off the top two matches I really enjoy from AEW. But I, I think that um, when it comes to the length of these shows, I sat there from the pre-show all the way to the end and was not tired. I enjoyed it because it, it moved quickly and it told great stories. I didn't feel like there was a long lull that I was like, well, I'm, I'm, I want to be anywhere else beside here because you knew that there was going to be great action. Um, I, I think that when there are people that have an issue with the creative of some of these matches, um, you got to keep in mind that the Young Bucks and Omega, as well as uh, some of the others that work for AEW, where, where do you think they got their wrestling from? When they were kids, they were watching what? They were watching ECW. They were watching uh, WWE and Monday Night Raw in the Russo-McMahon era. They were watching Nitro and Thunder. So if you see some things that are just kind of over-the-top silly, where do you think some of their creative comes from? It does not come from Mid-Atlantic Wrestling from the 70s and 80s. It doesn't come from the Charlotte-based NWA from the 1980s. Remember that if you see some things, they're like, wow, that's so silly. Boy, if the WWE did that, they would. Well, keep in mind, some of these things that you're seeing, not all, but some, 
are from the mindset of Vince McMahon, the way he was running things in the 90s. And so I, I'm never surprised when you see a vignette or when you see some things that are bad comedy already on AEW. Where do you think that stuff came from? <laughs> it's based on what where they grew up. That's that's I mean, people complain about the length of it. Well, you see long WrestleMania, you see long pay-per-views. You see that from WWE. If you really want to make a change, AEW or anybody else, you'd want to be able to be completely different for the WWE. But a lot of the influence that you see from Vince permeates through AEW already before we even see the first show. So I, I think it's interesting. Um, a couple of other things, too. I thought that Kenny Omega and Pac, uh, that matchup was, was very, very well told. Kenny Omega takes the loss there and Pac. I think he had the most booze. I think he had the most heat of anybody uh, in the show. I think that he... Uh, <laughs> He got a lot of booze, and and I think he relishes in the fact that he is a, a bad guy. Um, I thought that um, the best opening match, you know, I f- I'm starting to figure that this uh, SCU, and you're talking about three veterans that are really, really good. The SCU, we're talking about, you know, looking at uh, Cr- Christopher Daniels, who is a great wrestler, and I'm taking, taking a look at SCU overall. I think they are like the best opening match that you'll find in the last 10, 15 years. When they get get the crowd going and they have their matches going, it's really entertaining. You want those guys to start off because they lead the way uh, when it comes to um, these wrestling cards on AEW. So I I love to see them out there. And they're out there against Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt. Not a big fan of Marco Stunt, uh, but I am a big fan of Jungle Boy and uh, Luchasaurus. I think that that team has teeth. I think that team could be a terrific act for AEW. I think that they, that could be really a strong tag team. And the women's battle royal I thought was um, was compelling, especially because Nyla Rose won the casino battle royal. Uh, and just watching Britt Baker and watching uh, Mercedes Martinez come out um, and seeing Jazz come out, I, I thought... I think that they have something with this women's division. We just have to see how it all develops. But I, I can see some really good stories coming out of that. Keep in mind, this is your era of wrestling. And there's really nothing to complain about if this is your era. If you're into AEW and you think it's better, already better than WWE, this is your era. I totally understand that. I look at this from a different standpoint because, for me, I think that MLW is better than AEW at this point because AEW still needs to put on their episodic television show every week to find out who they are. MLW has already been laying the groundwork for weeks and months to be able to get to where they are right now. No, they're not on TNT. They're on BN Sports. But I I prefer that particular wrestling over, over AEW. AEW still has some work to do. And I think they know that too. doesn't mean it's bad. They're just going to have to figure out who are the main characters uh, on that card in that locker room that they want to feature every single week. It's a number of wrestlers that never had television experience before and know how to be able to wrestle a television match versus a house show match or a pay-per-view match. So it's still some things to work on. And I think that they'll figure out a way to get it right. It's mat based. It's promos and storylines. You see all that in MLW. Haven't seen a lot of that in AEW just as of yet, but it'll come. I don't think there's any question about that. By the way, the news coming out this afternoon that the countdown show on AEW on TNT, 400,000 viewers, and that was 29th in cable. That was on Friday night. TNT, the AEW show, the countdown to kind of promote the AEW all-out show, 400,000 viewers. It's pretty strong uh, for a Friday night for people to 
had this one-off to see, well, what is this? What is AEW all about? And they had their little preview show, and it, that's good. That's a really solid number for a Friday night for sure. Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan Hood right here on ESPN 1000 in the ESPN app. Thanks so much for being with us as we turn to the voice of All Elite Wrestling, the WWE and NWA Hall of Famer, good old JR Jim Ross, is with us here in front of the program. He's with us here on ESPN 1000 in Chicago. Jim, as always, I appreciate it. Thanks so much for coming on the show. My pleasure, buddy. Anytime. JR, how much fun did you have uh, in your home away from home, Chicago? I'm surprised you don't have a crib here. Yeah, no kidding. I should, huh? <laughs> uh, that would be a bad, that would be a bad uh, option, quite frankly. Uh, I had uh, it was great. You know, I uh, my producer and I met our our, uh, our jaunt to uh, Gibson's in Rosemont, mm-hmm. which is some kind of a tradition, and uh, that was certainly great Chicago meal, man. Good, so that's good food. If you're a carnivore like me, that's the mecca. So uh, had a good time, and of course. Uh, uh, Starcast is a fun deal, uh, and uh, always is. Seeing all the fans, and then of course we kind of topped it off with the uh, with the show on Saturday night. So good, man. It was a positive experience. I got a nonstop flight back home. I got to hope back in time to watch the tailgate and go to the OU game. So I had a, I'd say, I had a great weekend. Yeah, the college football guys were on your side because you know that Oklahoma game could have been on a Saturday. <laughs> so you you lucked out there, man. It's it's good that it was I on did. Sunday, I, so you can get there. I did. I got very lucky, but uh, but at least it worked out well. Yeah, you know, Jr. I think that I was mentioned uh, earlier to, on the show that Cody Rhodes and Sean Spears. I think that had the best reaction, and and I told that told a great story. Uh, what would you what you think of of the build up to that match, and then what we saw on Saturday? Well, you know, it's very uh, fundamentally sound in the buildup. It was a they had a, a, a extraordinary incident that brought them to, to brought the two of them together, and it was very easy to see why they would have uh, this uh, rancor at each other and this anger and angst. So uh, when you you know you put staples on a guy's head with a chair, I'm not I'm not bragging on the chair shot. Don't get me wrong, uh, but it was just a very organic story, and uh, those guys have really really good chemistry. Uh, I thought, quite frankly, that even though Cody won the match, I thought, you know, Spears had a memorable outing. And uh, I don't know how long he's going to be with Tully. I, I don't know uh, what that situation is, but uh, I enjoyed the whole match. So Cody's done, had two, uh, has had some really good outings since I started calling their shows, uh, ironically enough. And uh, I've been really pleased with what he's doing. I was there, Jim, to see the action live on Saturday. And you could just, the people around me, you could just tell that they want more, like I, like the story maybe shouldn't be closed because because of of the hatred of Sean Spears and you could tell that that Chicago crowd loves Cody Rhodes. They, they they you could tell that there's a love there maybe from the American Dream and just respect of Cody also, but you could just tell the audience even wants even more of, of these two going to get at each other. Yeah, they the ovation that Cody received was a very memorable to say the least. So, uh, but you know, Chicago is always. I've never been to Chicago, if I can recall. You know, uh, that was I was disappointed in the crowd. Uh, they're just they're good fans, and uh, they appreciate good wrestling. I think that's what it, that's what the Cody Spears match told me is that fans want the alternative that we hope to be able to provide them. But I think they want it in a very uh, in a in a in a, in a 
tradition or, or styling that we saw with Cody and uh, Spears, that we saw with Cody and his brother Dustin. I think those old school things, getting back to basics, is what the fans are missing. And for some reason, some of the millennials today, the wrestling fans, have been educated by the Internet. So they, therefore, they know everything. They're all experts, right, Jonathan, so you'll know. They're all experts. Oh, I know. They've never been wrong. <laughs> and the, on the trips they've made it out of the, out of the basement at Mom's house, they've fared well, okay? <laughs> but, you know, come on, man. This is uh, – they're wrestling. People love basic stuff, hard-hitting physicality. Ask the Bears fans there where you live. Do they like – they want technique on their defense? They want physicality. You know the answer to that. Yeah. And so it's easy. So I think we found what the fans are looking for. And uh, I hope we see more of it, quite frankly. So, so, Jim, the reason why that I wanted to – first of all, it's in Chicago, so I had to be there live to see it instead of just watching on the big screen. I wanted to just listen because I want to hear what the crowd had to say and just the murmurs and just the conversations that's going on. So here's, here's one thing I learned, and here's, here's something that, you, that you'd probably be happy with. So during one of the – a couple of these matches, when you hear the, the ring announcer when Justin gives, you know, 10 minutes, 5 minutes, 10 minutes – for a 20 minute time limit, there's a couple of people around me said, you know what, this, this might be a draw. This might, this might go the distance. Hadn't heard that in about 25 years. And, and so that's <laughs> not, now that plans to see Jim, something that you've talked about for years. Hey, you know what, boy, this is good. This, this might go the, you, you never know because you haven't heard that. Cause we haven't had time limits for 30 years. Well, when Tony Khan told me that he wanted this, this product, when we got everything ironed out, and obviously we're still a big time work in progress. That's kind mm-hmm. of, but to me, that's kind of exciting. It's a different journey for me on a personal level. But he said he wanted the product to, when, it, when we get smoothed out, to be very athletic oriented, very have heavy on the physicality. Uh, and I said, well, if, you, if you want to be an athletic presentation, then unlike other wrestling companies, we we have to have a time limit because not having a time limit to me is a blatant expose. Hey, folks, don't worry about this. It's just showbiz. Nothing. You, you don't have to suspend or disbelieve. You don't have to enjoy the movie. Just chill. It's all, everything's okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, I don't, I don't like that comfortableness. So I, that's when I suggested to Tony and to Cody, and they bought it, is to use the time limits. And that's, we had Cody and Darby Allen. Darby Allen, nobody, a lot of people didn't know who the hell Darby Allen is. Uh, you know, a great indie guy. Uh, and he's a member of our team, but he's young and he's not got his legs under him yet, so to speak, in that regard. Uh, so he, he had a 20 minute draw with Cody and I loved it. I think it, it, I think it, it sold a lot of things that we want to be about. So, uh, the time limits are a big, big part of the formula, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, so I'm thinking one more run for Tully and Arn. Can we, <laughs> because <laughs> boy, yeah. boy, I tell you, T- Tully, now here, you know, here's someone that is, was always at the top of his game, as you well know, as a wrestler. But Jim, his instincts to know where to be as a manager in that role at ringside uh, was uncanny. You know that he's been around the business enough to be able to know that, but you didn't know that he'd be so good at ringside, darting in and out, in the referee's attention. And then, of course, Arn was one of the biggest, uh, you know, spine busters and one of the biggest pops of the night. That that place exploded just to see Arn coming down the ramp. So I, the the physicality, the way they were used, I think that that was uh, fun to watch on Saturday. It was, uh, and very uh, nostalgic, uh, as you said, very much appreciated, I think. Uh, you know, the only thing we may have screwed up on is that when Arn was coming down to the ring, I had not intended to say, and I didn't say, that he's coming to help 
Cody. Mm-hmm. Because with Tully in the ring and his old partner coming down the ramp and not knowing a existing uh, beef between the two, how do we know who Arn's going to help or if he's going to help anyone? Why don't we just wait and see? Maybe, right. you know, exhale a couple of minutes. You know, I'm ser- being serious. I'm uh, facetious, but we're going to know in about 20 seconds. So let's let the fans book it themselves, so to speak. Uh, and we'll do better to as we go forward. But uh, people remember those cats. And they respect them. And that's what they, I think, are looking for in the AEW brand is to be able to regenerate their respect for the in-ring wrestling product. And I'm certainly not knocking uh, WWE. Of course, they're going to go on, you know, by, just by coincidence, I'm sure, they're going head-to-head against us uh, on on the USA. Yes. Which I'm sure really makes Fox happy uh, that they're adding another show to USA. But nonetheless, something might, might cross to bear. So, uh, you know, we, we we got a lot of work to do, Jonathan, but uh, the fans are with us right now. And we have a lot of tickets sold for our first several TVs, and but we have to deliver. We can't just show up and have a pro wrestling event, an exhibition, whatever you want to call it, and call it a day. We have to be extraordinary. We have to be special. No, no other way is going to work. Jim Ross, the voice of AEW on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Uh, Jericho comes goes over and becomes the first AEW champion. Uh, I, I like the pacing of the match, Jim, because Jericho, for you talk about a guy that knows how to uh, to reinvent himself over the years. It's still Chris Jericho, but he's always been able to reinvent and just and go in different gears. I wish more wrestlers were like that, but I guess with more experience, that will happen for some. But I, I, I like that Jericho is the champion. What what'd you think of the ebb and flow of that match with Adam Page? Well, Jericho, first of all, has been reinventing himself forever, it seems like. When I first signed him from WCW back in the days, they say, uh, when he came in and debuted in Chicago, ironically enough, as we're speaking, mm-hmm. uh, he had re- reinvented himself from the in more from a WCW guy to uh, a, a higher perception level uh, in uh, in uh, WWE. Uh, I thought the only thing I would probably have thought about that match would probably have a it was no one's going to follow seamlessly the Young Bucks ladder match. It's not going to happen. They're breaking 10, 12, 15 tables or up and down ladders and amazing athleticism and, and risk. Uh, the the uh, Lucha brothers are, are outstanding. Two of the best tag teams really in the whole wide world. But that was hard to follow. Probably in hindsight, if I put my booking hat on, I would have probably put a match after the Young Bucks and then and the cushion between that and the uh, uh, main event. I think the bottom line was the show overall might have been too long. I felt that. I got some feedback on social media about that, on Twitter and so forth. The show was a little bit long uh, for some folks. I get that. I can understand it. Uh, but I thought the pacing, you know, Chris and and uh, 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 Hangman had to start out slow, let the audience settle back down, regain their attention, and then start telling a more compelling story, and then hopefully have them at the end. I think all those boxes were checked. At the end of the match, Jonathan, uh, the fans were, were all about uh, that title match. And I thought those guys, did, both of them did a really great job of bring, closing a long show with people's fatigue and short attention span. And I understand now why at times on, on a television shoot, it's like uh, you could put a title match on early because the audience is fresher. You get that better reception out of it, better reaction. So 
But I thought those guys were great, man. They were really good. But again, following the young bucks ain't easy. Well, you know, you know, Jim, I, for someone who's been watching uh, wrestling since the the late seventies, and you've been in it as as, as long, I, you know, I, I just some of the the opinions are out there is a modern opinion and not an opinion that, that I I share. And here and here's why. It, it's it's it. I think it's like anything else. It's like when you watch wrestling in the eighties, for instance. Like if I, when I went to a card and saw Nelson Royal against Denny Brown, it wasn't like it, there was babies thrown in the air. You just you enjoyed the first match and then the second match, and there were some things you got excited about, but it wasn't necessarily that people are jumping up and down for the first and second match. And, and I'm not sure what the the wrestling fan wants in 2019, but the the idea that. Well, everything's got to be at a ten. Is not wrestling. It never has been. So, so, so the idea that I got to capture your attention with every, with every high spot and and every every chair shot and every, everything's got to be a table. Well, you know, AEW is not is not ECW. So, if you right. either either you're going to sit back and relax and enjoy the ebb and flow of a show, or you're not. But but the idea that AEW's got to you know do jumping jacks for you to be excited. Or any company for that matter, I just think that's I think that's wrong. There's people that's nitpicking is getting nothing else to talk about. Yeah, the uh, you know we go out there and, and you know we work really hard. The broadcast team. Look, I got two young partners. Uh, you know they're just new to the dance. Uh, Excalibur's been doing wrestling on a smaller level for a good while. He's been a play-by-play guy. He's worked by himself more often than not, uh, and that puts him at a timing disadvantage. Because I'm the play-by-play guy, I'm I'm in the lead of this of this team, mm-hmm. designated by Tony Khan and Cody. Which I'm not bragging about. That's just you, you have to have some sort of symmetry. You got to have some continuity here, and somebody's got to throw the ball in. So all I am is a, a point guard, a slow, fat, white point guard, and I am going to get the ball to Excalibur and on this next pay-per-view, Golden Boy. Mm-hmm. But I've never worked in a situation like that where you have a I've got a mass partner who's very, very knowledgeable, and I enjoy. He's going to be great. He's not going to be good. He's going to be great. And then I got a, another guy that's a game show, that's a uh, uh, you know gaming guy who's very, very good. Got great energy, but again, it's the nuances, the experience, when to lay out, when to talk, all those things. And we don't get enough practice as, as much as we should, which is unfortunate. So, uh, but it's hard. And then you go online and you say. Well, Jr. is not interested. He's, you can tell he's not interested. I'm offended by that. Look, if I don't do a good job, and your opinion is I'm not doing a good job, that's your call. Hey, maybe I wasn't at the time you're referring to. Maybe I, I dropped the ball. I don't know. I hope I didn't. But I can tell you, at no time in my career have I ever phoned it in. And when people infer that, it pisses me off because that's not the, my work ethic. That's not how I want to be remembered. Well, he was really good at one time, but then – yeah, he just didn't care, and that's not that's not a fact. It's just totally untrue, and it's hurtful, quite frankly. Jim Ross, the voice of AEW, with Jonathan Hood on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, right here on ESPN One Thousand and the ESPN app. Jim, how does it feel for you personally uh, to be part of this young upstart group, this this promotion with veterans, and in taking on another show as you mentioned, coincidentally with NXT with their youngsters and veterans too. This is this is different than the Monday Night Wars in a lot of ways, is it not? Oh, yeah, a lot of ways. Uh, hugely different, quite frankly. Uh, I'm, the old, I'm the oldest guy on the, on the team, uh, oldest performer on the team. Uh, that's first for me. Uh, it's kind of cool. Uh, 
Uh, a lot of the young guys listen to me all their life. And, you know, when, the, when, a, when a wrestler on the card tells you before the show that it's a dream come true for me to call their match, it's emotional for me. It's, I get, I'll get my eye I'll well up because they really mean it. And I had a place in their, in their formative years that led them to this crazy profession. And uh, that's, that's significant. I don't take it lightly. So I enjoy the, the enthusiasm of being around these cats. Uh, you know, we're, we are learning. Jonathan, there's a lot of things that we have to do better, and our staff is small. Our infrastructure, our group, our core group inside is very small, probably 10, 12 guys. And there's probably 10 or 12 people in the WWE's the talent relations department. So we got a small company. We're trying to band together and work together and deliver an alternative. And we're not sure exactly what that alternative is going to end up being, but we all got a pretty good idea of what we want it to be. But the journey starts on October the 2nd, and, and I, I can't, I, I'm excited. You know, for, for me to be able to get out of the house after my wife got killed was a big thing to me. Right. I was depressed and feeling bad and boo-hoo, pity for myself. And, man, going back to work has been just awesome. Now I'm, I'm ready to do uh, these weekly trips. I'm ready. Let's go. Let's compete. But let's compete with ourselves, not compete with the WWE. This Wednesday Night War stuff is great hype. It's great for, for some media guys or guys looking for clicks or whatever the case may be. I get it. No problem. But it's not like Monday Night, but the Monday Night Wars. And if we focus on the opposition more than we're focusing on ourselves, we're making a huge, huge mistake. And I don't think Tony Khan will allow that to happen. I guess one of the questions I want to ask you, Jim, regarding the infrastructure when it comes to the final say, when you're trying to put these shows together, because you've, as an administrator, you are experienced in this. Could you tell me what what is the what is the best course of action? You you know, working with Ole Anderson, working with Vince McMahon, working with Cowboy Bill Watts, is it, would you say that the smaller the room, the better when it comes to making a final decision on executive matters, or or is it better with a, a committee? Because with Tony Khan. He he has he got a lot of talking. Seems like he's the face of of a lot of this. But what, what about the final say? What is the, what's best for that? A uh, smaller room, Jonathan. I believe it's my opinion. You know, uh, you get too many cooks in the kitchen. It kind of spoils the barbecue sauce. Uh, you know, so I'm uh, it's just not not a good thing for me. Uh, Tony's got his uh, he's got the Bucks and Cody. Course, Cody's very very involved. The Bucks are involved. Omega is involved, not as much as the other two groups, uh, but he's involved. And so he, so Tony gets great feedback from these, these minds that he's paying a lot of money to contribute to help build this company, not only to perform in the ring, but also to help build the infrastructure and build a talent roster that's marketable. And so I think that he's got plenty of feedback. And then Tony's a very bright guy. He's been a wrestling fan forever. He's articulate. He's smart. He's a data, data freak. And uh, so I think that uh, he, but the bottom line will be oh, it's going to come back. There's one boss, that's Tony Khan, and that's and that's a good thing. People have to look for an answer. They don't have to look for someone to give them an answer. You talk to Tony, you'll get an answer. And he's really uh, he's a joy to work with. It's the most positive environment in a wrestling company that I've ever been affiliated with. And I know that's going to sound like JR's throwing WWE under the bus. I'm not throwing them under the bus, but when you get they get so big, so corporate, it's hard to maintain the personality that you would like to have in my ideal world. It's not since necessarily their fault or they're bad people. But, but we're not that big right now. And so our our group is very together. 
and we communicate well. And I haven't found any hidden agendas, even though at some point in time it is pro wrestling, it is the entertainment business. I'm sure something's going to rear its ugly head at some point in time, just out of human nature. But so far, thus far, thus far it's been nothing but a joy. Well, one thing for sure, Jim, is that we see the numbers and you start to see um, the amount of sellouts already for AEW before the first show. That that says uh, uh, right up and down the Eastern Seaboard, quite frankly. And what does that say about where wrestling is in 2019, where fans are that hungry to say, you know what, I want to see this new product now. I want to see it uh, first and foremost when it comes to my area. They should tell all the other wrestling companies that people want changes. Mm-hmm. They're, they're signifying that. Uh, these uh, The fans have validated uh, their interest in AEW by the amount of tickets that we sold for, the, for our Wednesday night TNT shows. So th- they're, they're telling everybody in the business, hey, we're all willing to try something new if you want to provide it. Or maybe just make your product as it's currently presented better without blowing it all up and changing everything. So uh, I think it's a great message for everybody, and there's plenty of business to go around. The only thing that I, I'm, I'm reluctant to uh, engage Jonathan on this process is there's no reason that the eight, that should be a political issue here, almost this side of the aisle and that side of the aisle, all that nonsense. Uh, I'm just saying that I think that, uh, you know, the, we all, we're in the wrestling business. Let's promote the wrestling business. And everybody, and, and the more we elevate the whole genre, the more it helps everybody along the way. But I see some, you know, you got WWE loyalists, you got AEW loyalists or anti WWE people. And, you know, that one of them to fail. You know, look, WWE's not going to fail. Uh, there's not a wrestling, WWE's not going to get supplanted as the number one wrestling company. But there's plenty of room for the rest of us to play and to make our niche. And with TNT in our corner, Jonathan, uh, we're not coming empty handed. We're coming with a loaded broadcast platform. And now we just got to go on that platform and deliver our ass off, quite frankly. And I'm anxious to see how that's going to. You know, Cody's done a great job. I know what we're doing. He's got his storyboard of TV about the next four to six weeks easily done. So he's planning ahead. He's working ahead. I, I encourage that. I admire that. So uh, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun, man. It's, but, again, the competition with the, the wars are between us and us. And that's getting better. And I know they don't want to hear that because they want another Monday Night War. I don't want to get my ass beat ever. We're not keeping score again. I don't I don't know that we're keeping score. Maybe, the, maybe that'll come out. Maybe – the 83-week thing, you know, that Eric Bischoff's podcast is all about. Right. With my friend Conrad uh, will be that. By the way, we're going to have our, our show drops, our podcast drops. I know you listen. I appreciate that. Every Thursday morning at 6 Eastern time. And uh, I'm uh, looking forward to talking about AEW, the show, the weekend, Starcast, all that stuff this week. Plus, uh, Unforgiven 2004 is our focal point. That that it is a, a great podcast. It's a great podcast. Grill and Jr. Wherever you download your podcast, look for Grill and Jr. with uh, Jim Ross, Conrad Thompson's right there as well. It, it's a it's a fun podcast. So if you have not heard it, please uh, support Jim uh, in that endeavor because that's. And if you haven't heard some of the previous interviews and conversations, please uh, check that out uh, wherever you download your podcast. I I want to I'd be. Um, I got to ask you your thoughts about Oklahoma because I, I watched the game, Jim, and I tell you, Lincoln Riley is the is hot as AEW right now because yeah. Yeah. because that that guy is the quarterback whisperer. You want to handcuff him to some place, Jim, so he doesn't leave. You got he's got to stay 
because that he is, a, I believe, a special <laughs> coach. That's for sure. Well, they're paying him an awful lot of money, and I'm assuming that before it's all said and done, within the next uh, year or two, he'll be in that saving range, at least that neighborhood, as the number two or three Ohio State college coach uh, uh, in the country. You know, he's young. Kids identify with him. He's a, he's a, he's a real CEO of that football program from marketing and social media, uh, the recruiting. Uh, it's just amazing what the, the it's a it's an amazing facility that they have built and that they have uh, stocked with really young, ambitious people. So he's they're not missing a, a no stone unturned. And now he's got pretty much the, his staff uh, is are people that he either has handpicked in the last year or two, or there are incumbents that he wanted to keep, like Cale Gundy, who's been there 20 years. Uh, so he's just a, he's amazing. He's an amazing organizer, you know. Uh, I, he's always got time to talk to me, and I appreciate that because I don't try to pleasurize his time. If I run into him, I say hello. Uh, we we chat, but he cares about. I know when my wife got killed, he he. There was a day he got announced the job, and he was on ESPN. He talked. He, he cut ESPN short for a second, and so he saw because he saw me there to do an interview after he, him, and came over to, to to comfort me about my wife's death. That's the kind of guy he is. His priorities are right, John. That's what I'm trying to say. And I think moms and dads can see that. He's legitimately a good human being, and his record uh, is going to be, you know, he's, he's special. Hey, look, we know here, here's the talk here. It's real simple. When, when Jerry Jones fires Jason Garrett, and yes, folks, that's not a scoop, that's probably going to happen, uh, then that's where, he's gonna, that's where the big run is going to come. I don't see him leaving to coach at any other college, and maybe that's my egocentric nature and my biases. I'm a sooner, uh, but I could damn sure see him coaching the Dallas Cowboys or being given the opportunity to coach the Dallas Cowboys. And uh, I'd say then the NFL hold on to your hat because he's just a, he's a brilliant. He's a he's a savant, man. He's he's the most intriguing and unique coach I've ever been around. I look, I've been, I've I've had drinks with Switzer and Stutes and and many other coaches, but my buddies that live here in Norman with me, uh, he's a different breed of cat, man. He really is. We're blessed to have him. Much like we're blessed to have a quarterback. How how the hell? How much lucker can we be? Here's what resonated with me, Jim, regarding Jalen Hurts. I mean, big win, and he gets interviewed after the game, and he said, you know, there's no smile. He says, you know, I'm happy that we won, but boy, we got a lot of work to do. And he probably looked at both sides of the ball because he looks at football through the eyes of Nick Saban when he was there. It was almost like Saban was there through him. Because, you know, usually you get a, a young guy and he's just happy with the victory, all smiles, and, and he was dead serious. He said, you know what, this is just one game, on to the next game. That's the saving influence that's on that Sooners team now. That's a that's a real find when you have a Jalen Hurts there to be a difference maker for the Sooners. The saving principles, the doctrine, are, are, are uh, you know, have, 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 been, have infiltrated this kid's DNA. Mm-hmm. That's a learned behavior. And he had it drilled in him because, remember, let's not forget, he started at Alabama as a freshman quarterback. So he had a lot of under the learning tree moments, I'm assuming, with Coach Saban. So I, I, and I, I saw his dad on the, on the broadcast. I think it was a broadcast. I saw him somewhere on TV. And he's a real smart guy. I think he's a football coach. A real smart guy, very perceptive, a common sense approach. So he's grounded. So I, that's what I see out of Jalen. His dad's upbringing and then sitting under Saban's learning tree, he's very grounded 
and being good is not good enough. Uh, their goal here is to win it all this year. And whether they get there or not, you know, we'll find out. But, boy, that's the goal. And, that's, and seemingly all they want to talk about is they got to win the last game. JR, as always, I appreciate your time. I, uh, I'm looking forward to uh, more news about AEW and, of course, the big uh, event taking place uh, in October, the weekly television on Wednesday. Uh, you, you wouldn't want to slip the name to me, right, You on the side, the, 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 the name of the show on Wednesday. What's the name? Can you tell me? Can you tell a brother? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't if I knew. I thought it was AEW wrestling. <laughs> I did. I don't know. Hell, I don't get involved in that stuff, man. That's what I tell you. I, it's, just, it's so unpolitical. I'm so uninvolved in that kind of stuff as, as uh, anymore. I'm not Vince McMahon approving T-shirt designs. Uh, so, and by the way, speaking of T-shirts, our friends at Pro Wrestling Tees there in Chicago yes. have really done me a big solid. They're they're, car- they're going to start carrying our, our our barbecue, our condiments, sauces, mustard, ketchup, beef jerky, uh, seasoning at their store there in Chicago. So keep that in mind if you're out and about. If somebody's want to try some of our stuff one of these days, uh, Ryan Bark and his team are good people there, and we're happy to be doing some business with them. So that's a good thing. By the way, you know, we're coming back to Chicago, right? You know that. That's right. The, the, the day before, before Thanksgiving. The before Thanksgiving. Yeah. I, I, told, I told the TV audience I'm going to uh, relax and spend Thanksgiving Day with Tony Khan in Chicago. I don't think he didn't know that, but I just thought I'd throw it out there. Might get a, you never catch a fish, you don't throw your hook in the water, man. You got to ask for the order. <laughs> bring pound cake. At least bring something to the con house. <laughs> yeah, pound cake. I already thought of that. I, I might bring a pumpkin pie. That's Thanksgiving, you know. So, uh, but anyway, that's it's good, and that's the great thing about this group. It's, it is like a family atmosphere, and he's so you know when your boss tells you that you were the voice of his childhood. It's, it's it's very flattering. Mm-hmm. It's very humbling, but there is a little pressure that goes along with that. So, you know, I, I got I got a lot of uh, I got to make sure that I keep my standard of work up. And again, we're our our, our little broadcast team still coming together. We, Tony Schiavone's now on the team, and I think I hope Tony will be with us on the on the on the TNT shows. I think that he will. I don't know if it's been confirmed or not, yay or nay, but I think the plan is for Tony and and uh, at last I heard Tony and myself and. Excalibur to broadcast the TNT events, so that'll be a lot of fun. And but on this next pay per view we're doing, uh, it'll be uh, uh, the Golden Boy. I thought I was going to work with Arnold Scolan. You were the Golden Boy tonight. <laughs> I, I, I thought I Arnold passed away about twenty years ago. Uh, and then uh, and Excalibur. So it's good, man. We just, you know, I told uh, those guys the other day. We, we just got to we got to find some big linemen. Our, our roster is is not long on sides. Mm-hmm. And uh, we need, you know, uh, Luchasaurus is a prime example. We need more guys that are that turn your head when you see them walking down the hall. And uh, so that'll come. And then the other thing is, that's us, us to train some guys. You know, nobody said you were going to take off everybody's roster. Because WWE spent guys more than they earn or they deserve just so they won't leave. That's obvious, and that's common knowledge. So we've got to train our own guys. We've got to find our own people. Discover our own talents. And so it's all about AEW, not about competing with WWE. That's true. I think that the majority, a good portion of wrestling fans just want to see AEW as its own brand. And I even think about the other brands because that's what it comes down to. You know what this reminds me of a little bit of watching the History Channel, just going through the channels, and I found the history of Coke versus Pepsi. It, it reminded me of the 80s. And I remember that campaign and going back and forth. You remember that as well, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. 
Absolutely. Yeah, we uh, the, any great company focuses on their own their own mortality, their own infrastructure, their own product. We don't we don't have the depth of time or this or the uh, or the entrenched roots in our in our public yet. We gotta have we every money every Wednesday night's gonna be money. I said Monday night in inadvertently. So every Wednesday night's gonna be big. So uh, and it's gonna be interesting to see how everybody responds. Some of us have been in that world. Pressure on you, squeezing your head, man, stress, stress, stress. Every week, every week, you're leaving again every week. And uh, I'm un- I'm going to be interested to see how everybody reacts to that. It, it, sometimes that schedule is perfect for some people, like myself, at least that's my perception. And for some people, it's a kiss of death. M- marital issues, or you're, you're gone again every week. It's every week now. What's going on? Well, you know, these guys know their shows are there, so... It's just a matter of uh, we got to find guys that are good travelers and, and can get along and, and, and then go out when that bell rings and kick ass, man. That's, and it's going to take some time. That's not going to happen the first Wednesday night. But in time, I promise you, you're going to see a very distinguishedly different uh, product. I think you're going to have wrestling fans will have fun watching. JR, as always, I appreciate your time in Chicago, and uh, we'll see you the day before Thanksgiving back here in the city. Look, you bet, buddy. Like you bet. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, there's nowhere. Chicago's my food town, man. I love the people there. They're blue collar like me. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a food town. So being in Chicago in food town on Thanksgiving, how good is that? So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Food and drink town. Big drink town. As <laughs> <laughs> you well know, <laughs> a lot of sp- a lot of spots here. And the well, no, the never, yep. the well never runs dry here in Chicago. No. Nope, absolutely not. At least we'll, we'll, we'll test that theory, but I think you're right. <laughs> Jim, thanks so much as always. All right, buddy. You take care of yourself. And that is Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday.